Today, I'm grateful to be speaking with former naval officer turned activist and nonprofit owner, Chad Brown. Chad is taking his life learning around leadership to the earth with his nonprofit, Soul River Inc. He's taking U.S. military veterans and pairing them with disadvantaged teens to deploy to parts of the world that need conservation work. The results are inspiring. This is the Super Givers Podcast. as well into those spaces as well uh, and our youth basically comes at the age of 13 years old and um, and they stay with us uh, the age out of the organization is 18 so it's between 13 and 18 and um, and we work with our youth and our ultimate goal is bringing them from uh, an I don't know into more of a uh, know of information within the conservation world as uh, leaders and advocates for tomorrow's uh, wild spaces. Beautifully. That's like you're, you're working with um, kind of the changing the narrative around veterans of color. Uh, Changing the, the, the changing the narrative around veterans period, not just, okay. But around veterans period, you know, that's a narrative stereotype that, hubs over veterans from the Vietnam War era, you know, and so that cloud still exists over new veterans that are coming out, uh, you know, and also when new veterans are coming out from your recent wars, um, they don't fall into the bucket of how Hollywood paints a veteran, you know, and, and so there are many veterans that are of the majority that doesn't identify with the G.I. Joe, uh, that you see in Hollywood, but there's a lot of veterans that are doing many awesome, uh, great things uh, in our community that has done phenomenal work uh, as far as their success. They also have done challenges, but their walk is different. You know, they are a veteran, but they don't uh, um, they they don't identify with what's happening or what you see in the movies, basically. Yeah. So maybe. I'd love to hear more just as an introduction uh, how those two worlds connect for you and what feels like the, the real central theme of your mission here with everything you're doing. Well, you know what they, they connect. Uh, I would say the, probably the, the, um, the platform of the, the connection platform here it would be the uh, social, social justice of uh, uh, identifying and working with um, demographics that are overlooked and bringing them into more of a stronger light of space uh, where people can be able to uh, see them for who they are. You know, and I would say that's probably the same platform between my personal work, which is, you know, the work that I do with Hidden Heroes and other uh photography exhibitions that carries the same platform space of my organization with Soul River Inc. Because Soul River Inc. is also working with those demographics that that are needing space uh, uh, to to be able to spread their wings or be seen. And the ones that they're being seen, they also have the opportunity of becoming that leader and that advocate for our wild spaces. Uh, you know, so I would say that's probably the same platform where they, where the rivers tend to collide, basically. And how was it that you uh, got into the military? You, you were in the Navy, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in the Navy. Are you willing to share a little bit about how you came to that choice in your life and, and what that did for you? Uh, you know, I was in art school um, uh, many years ago. I was uh, down in Texas going to the Art Institute, and and I think uh, as I was studying, I got to a place where I was doing really, really good in school and got to a place where I needed uh, money uh, to finish uh, my schooling, and my mom just got married at the same time, and uh, she couldn't really afford or support me uh, in art school. And so um, I made a decision to join the Navy, really. It was just really, that's kind of why I joined, because I know about the GI Bill, et cetera. 
Um, and my father, uh, my father served in the Navy as well. And so, um, you know, I guess my subconscious, I kind of followed his footsteps in a way. Um, you know, so when, um, when I joined, I think I went in probably at the wrong time. It was cold war season. Um, when I joined, you know, and then, um, it was right when I joined, that was when, uh, there's a storm was popping off basically. And so, um, I went ahead and signed a dotted line and I up and packed everything up from my school and went back home, stayed home for a little bit with my mom until it was time for me to ship out. Uh, went into boot camp uh, down in Orlando, uh, Florida is where I did my boot camp. And uh, after that, you know, my training, et cetera, I was uh, shipped to, to the second phase of the storm. And uh, um, so I did, you know, my time there and, and uh, came back and, end up going to uh, uh, um, Somalia, Operation Restore Hope. I was sent out there, deployed out there for an entire time. And, uh, you know, so it was like, it was kind of crazy because I was going back to back, back to back. And the longest I stayed in the U.S. was no more than four months of my four years. I've been in 14 different countries and two wars. And 90% of that I was uh, in, uh, is all third world uh, countries, hot zones. Um, and uh, but yeah, yeah. Wow. You you mentioned in an interview I watched that you want veterans to be seen the right way. I'm curious yeah. to know how you see yourself now uh, on the other side of all that experience as a veteran. Uh, I, I see myself as um, one of the lucky ones. Uh, I'm, I'm a veteran uh, and uh, identify with a lot of went through uh not much has changed the only thing that's changed between me and some of the veterans are at is um it's just i've been luckily that i have the right people in my life that have been able to work with me better skill sets um to help me cope with what i'm dealing with basically uh i fight with my ptsd every day um, just like a veteran, um, I just been able to develop better skill sets and healthier, uh, um, healthier process and a healthier community where I am able to rely on, um, to help me cope with what I deal with every day, uh, from running organization to my creative work, you know, and so it's, it's hard. It's, it's a process, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, so I think that's where I, I where I'm at with, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran that still, um, uh, you, you never, um, uh, you never heal through PTSD and TBI, you know, it, it never ends. It's, there's no such thing of trying to find the, the right medicine to, uh, to fix, uh, what only changes for the health is you being able to change the people you are in your community. Um, uh, a lot of therapy, one-on-one therapies, and, and also, um, you know, uh, developing better skill sets to help you be able to cope what you're dealing with, you know. And so the more you can do that, uh, the better things help help you in the long run from keeping you from going past. Well, yeah, and it sounds like you're, you're being humble about the impact you're making that this is, you're also coping at a level of giving back and creating opportunities now with these different projects. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like there's, there's a lot to be said there about how, the civilian public who hasn't had the experiences you've had um, could recognize the impact. Yeah. How do you hope that right. the, 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 the veteran population in general is seen? You were speaking to this a little before I started recording, so feel free if, it, if it's repetitive, I apologize. For, well, you know, I think, I, I, I think, you know, I think it goes all the way back to the Vietnam era uh when that all left and 
moved on and it left a really dark, dark uh, cloud over a lot of vets, you know, and that was a, uh, a, peer, a period where the in the United States um, was against what was going on. And when the veterans came back, or you could say when the soldiers came back and going to be, becoming a veteran, um, they weren't accepted well. You know, there was, they were spit on, they were thrown rock, um, you know, they would protest in front of them. And not realizing what these men and women has went through, um, you know, some of them did get drafted, you know, and some of them um, did not get drafted and they joined for many different reasons. And, um, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's, I can't, you know, it's, it's a dark, you know, it's, it's pretty wrong of how they got treated. And, um, you know, war is, ugly. you know, there's, there's no doubt war, war is ugly, um, you know, and it's, it's hard to take a stand on both sides, whether you, if you're right or wrong. And you forget is the choices that the men and women has made. Uh, a lot of those choices doesn't have a lot to do with being patriotic uh, American pride. Uh, a lot of those choices are, comes from, you know, trying to get out of the ghetto, uh, trying to get extra money to pay uh, the, the bills that's being created, trying to provide for family, trying to get a, a better education to provide for family and to be successful. Um, you know, there's many, many different reasons of why the men and women that's, that, that join and, you know, and some women coming back, you know, that everybody's putting this, this deep of a bucket and calling them baby killers to murderers and all kinds of stuff. And, and, um, and so that era, really, really dark era for the Vietnam veterans that had to deal with that, you know, and this, the the mental illness that came along with that, the PTSD, I guess back in those days, they call it shell shock and, you know, all that stuff, you know, but, um, um, but now moving forward, we have more veterans and men and women that has joined uh, without the draft and course by choice, you know, there's a storm the Afghanistan war, you know, all these wars are starting to take place and stuff. And so, um, you know, and even though times has changed uh, and people are much more open-minded, that dark cloud still hubs for a lot of men and women who has served it. It's, it's it's just it's this you know it's there you know and so um, I'm um, just wondering I don't I don't have a solution for it. it's it's it's, um, it's 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 really scary you know I can say I was speaking this and when I came down, I was speaking about organization, and the lady says to me, she says, um, I really, really love what you do. And I love the inner city piece. To but as far as veterans, it's hard for me to get behind you veterans because I don't love wars. Mm. You know, and I had to stop for a second, and that was a that calls for a deeper conversation to have with her, but I was not in the space to be able to have that kind of conversation. But it stuck with me, you know, and um, and and she was, again, it was that dark cloud that was hovering. Uh, was really, really negative and bad because the reality is that there's a lot of veterans that doesn't love war, um, you know, but signed up for many, again, signed up for many different reasons um, where some of them just don't have that opportunity, uh, you know, if you opportunity meeting that, that silver spoon in the mouth to be able to 
go to college and have the money. Uh, some of them are coming from a you know really bad neighborhood, bad place, trying to change your life. And very everybody stepping stone, you know, yeah. uh, stepping stone to pivot your life around and do something, you know. And so, um, so when you got a lot of those men and women that comes out, you know, there's those fingers pointed and everything like that. So it's about narrative, you know, changing the narrative of how society sees um, a veteran. Um, not all veteran toting, trucker hat wearing, uh, American pride. Yes, there are veterans that are American pride of many different, you know, people of color and race, you know, uh, gender, etc. But it's not that kind of pride to where they're baby killers. They're, they're pride of what they've done, um, but they moved on, you know, and they deserve uh, a fair shot back in society. You know, they serve um, and they did what they had to do um, to, to, to move forward in life. And, and that's really what a lot of, a lot of veterans look at the military as an opportunity of, uh, taking another and stuff basically. Yeah. Well, and speaking of some of the, the veterans who are getting to the next stage of life, I'd love for you to speak about how you're employing them in the work with the youth and what you hope that, both the veterans and the youth get out of your Soul River Inc. work? Yeah. Um, you know, working with veterans, uh, the work that I do with veterans with Soul River Inc. is it's, it's, um, it's very unconventional. And, uh, and I think the really key goal, I look into what the veterans has been trained to do and open up what they've been trained to do and give them, I, it's not me, but it's the youth ends up giving them purpose. Purpose is an exchange of leadership and big brother, big life coach. Um, it's kind of a, a simple uh, method that that's kind of like a humanity of science. Uh, you know, if you, you, you help and then, what you give out comes back to you two folks, um, you know, and so that veteran steps up as a, um, and, um, you know, and they act as a life coach for that youth and, um, that youth, uh, gives a veteran a forward. I think people would be interested to hear that you're, some of these expeditions are in pretty remote, rugged places. Is that by design? This uh, one is well, definitely by design. Going to these rugged uh, spaces, um, dealing with the elements. Uh, um, that's part of design, and in part that that makes it complete is um, going into spaces that that needs to be advocated. There needs to be a voice to it, uh, and so that's the kind of like deeper fulfillment of of, of what you know, of what we do basically, you know, when we don't take a trip somewhere in order for us to think about going somewhere is, 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 is looking at what's happening environmentally, uh, what's happening wildlife wise, uh, what's happening, uh, from an indigenous point, you know, uh, what are the issues, you know, and whatever those issues are, we, uh, will work those issues into an awareness curriculum. Um, and that veteran is, that is, uses that curriculum, uh, that's been inspired, created by, um, you know, conservation groups, whoever we're working with, because they're the educators. They're like the experts in what the work that they're doing to help raise that awareness. And so they're channeling that through that vet into that curriculum. Um, that's being developed by us. And then that veteran uh, engages with um, in those particular uh, endangered spaces in the wild that needs a voice to it. The ultimate goal is, is really bringing that youth in uh, an environmental leader world. Uh, we would basically 
deal with the challenges of, of rain, uh, the river, period, whatever she has to throw at us, it's by design, and that design helps us mold into community. It gives support and build for that youth, and also it helps that veteran become engaged into that youth lives. Um, you know, it, it kind of turns on the own button in us um, because our natural DNA is leaders, uh, leadership, you know, are like coaches, basically. And so when that on button turns on, it, you know, we step up, we show up, we step up into those uh, spaces and we are working with those youth. And what, what makes that veteran whole is them to see that youth become, um, you know, stronger mentally and physically, uh, but more mentally when they are, their awareness level is becoming a deeper conscience of the environment. You know, it's kind of like, falling in love you know when you fall in love you you know with your partner you know all you can do is talk about him or her you know you know and that's all you can do you go to your friends that's all you can do is talk about him or her saying how great you know he or she is you know and what she or she does for me all this kind of stuff and so it's kind of like this same type of concept is that we get the youth into these wild spaces we educate them but we allow them to see this beauty, to see the rawness of what nature has to provide. And through that process and that learning process and that physical process, they're finding the love of that environment. They're finding a love of those, of those indigenous communities. They're finding the love of those wild rivers. Uh, they're finding a love of many different things that they're seeing of what makes them whole, you know, and that becomes their personal soul river. And so when you come out of that environment, what happens when you fall in love, you advocate, you talk about it, you know, it's not force fed or anything like that. They just went through a really intense experience that has changed their lives and they're coming out of something where that experience is, is, an, is impulsing them to want to share, to want to come back to the community, talk about it to moms and dads, talk about it at the school. You know, we have youth that will come out of that and, and do their own re you know, report and, and, and present to the schools, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, but yeah, that's kind of like the end thing. When it, I mean, when we came back from the Arctic, I'm always talking about this because it was actually my first uh, uh, deployment to the Arctic. And when we, I think I've had like 26 youth, and when they all came back, all of them slept on the floor. They did not sleep in the bed. They mm -hmm. slept on the floor for for a whole month. You know, the parents were like really concerned, and they were like, "What's going on with my child?" And I said. We just went through a really intense experience. You just got to have to, like, let them ride this out, let them process it, you know, and they will be back. But like a lot of the parents, they were like, wow, this, this is like, this is not my kid, you know. It was that big of a change. And all those youth that we're, I'm talking about, a lot of them are still returning and a lot of them are, you know, um, going off to college and conservation now, interning for various government organizations and conservation groups. It's pretty amazing, you know, but yeah. Just to see the direct, the translation of the interest in, in nature and taking care of the world, yeah. Well, you, you already spoke around it pretty well. I'm curious to know, just to give it even more power, um, what, what is it do you think that these kids are missing in everyday life that they're getting a dose of when they go out there? You know, I think a lot of the youth are, are, are missing that, that community support. I think, uh, you know, community is a big piece to everyone. You know, and I'm a believer that you're not supposed to be by yourself. I know there's people out there that, that goes in solitude for faith reasons and healing reasons, and I get that. You know, but I think at the end of the day, we want to be connected. You know, we want to be supported. Uh, we want to be heard. Uh, you know, uh, we want to be seen, especially from a veteran standpoint. You know, I can't tell you the numerous times me walking through the streets uh, during my time and 
how people wouldn't see me, you know? Mm. And that's a big deal for a veteran, you know, because if you're able to see that person, it's kind of like you're acknowledging their existence, you know, and you're accepting them, you know, but it's also the same thing for you. Um, you know, a lot of youth want to be acknowledged. They want their voice to be heard. You know, they want to, you know, some of them, a lot of them, they lack their confidence, you know, and I think that's what happens when you have a, a supportive community. It puts back that confidence. It puts, it puts back that voice. Uh, it puts, it puts back that growth of, of a youth and, and an adult veteran, you know, uh, it puts us back in place and it roots us into uh, a place where we are able to function at our best, you know, and, you know, and so, uh, you know, what I, I think that's really what, what uh, the big piece that I see uh, and, and, and what, and what I observe is, is, is just the, is the power of community and this power of community is, is, is nurtured and found in the rawness of nature, you know, nature has that medicine it, that that manifests itself into that veteran and that youth. Uh, you they you you find that completion of yourself, uh, that platform for you to stand on. Uh, you know it. You know we we did good example. We we use fly fishing a lot. Because uh, it was um, as me as an angler uh, founded the organization off of fly fishing, and one of the reasons why I like to use fly fishing is not just because of the sport, but there's a lot of different pieces within that sport that teach you teaches you about life, and when you can sit and watch and get pointed out and look at a mayfly that's dancing on the water, you actually are able to observe life and death in its most rawest form that happens within a two to three minute span. You can see it hatch. You can see it go to the tree. You can see that mayfly fall back to the water as it's making its way back to dying. But it actually has just uh, reproduced the eggs, you know? And so it, life starts all over again. It starts all over again. It starts all over again, you know, right in front of you, you know? And when you can bring that youth and veteran into those spaces, and allow for the for the body and mind to find peace and to open that up and be able to observe and see what's going on it opens another part of you inside that goes deep that goes deep within the human connection to where it allows the conversations of 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 a veteran and youth to start communicating through the oz in the ooze of what they are experiencing on the water in nature. Mm -hmm. And when all that is happening all at the same time, there's this, I don't know what you want to call it, but there's something that happens that, that brings them into a relationship and that relationship becomes that community, you know? And I think that's really what we miss beyond Soul River is community, you know, and it's the most richest and deepest and fragile uh, of, 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 a, uh, of a, you know, of a platform that we can, you know, ever have in our lives. You know, we need that platform. We need that, that, that support, you know, to, to, to keep us intact. And when you don't have that intact, you float. You know, you, you, you're, you're floating throughout the place and you're trying to figure out and everything and you're trying to, uh, you know, find yourself. You're trying to figure, you know, what you're going to do next. You got headaches and then depression steps in, then anxiety steps in, you know, all this kind of stuff. And some of that is not about taking a prescription, you know, from a doctor. A lot of it is re redefining your roots and getting back to the basics getting around the support system, getting it back to your community, you know, and that's where the healing really starts. And that really is what's really, really supported and what's needed within all of us. Mm, it's beautiful, Chad. Thank you for sharing about just the cross-section between community and being seen. It's, I think yeah. you're, you're so, you're so on the nose and actually the woman I just interviewed, her a big piece of her work is about, 
helping people understand how we sort of create oppression with with kids um oppression in general but then also how we've all experienced it as kids and how kids like want to have a voice and want to be seen i'm curious to know as a non-military person you said sometimes it's just enough for you to be seen in the world yeah so how what how would i like how would i go about seeing a veteran How would they know? How would they so know? Really, being seen? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really good question, uh, and I, I don't have the answers to all. Uh, you know, um, I, I think it starts off if you know a veteran. Um, if you happen, it's it's hard to define. I can I can I can pinpoint out veterans without me knowing them. I can tell who's a veteran or not, you know. Um, you know, 99.9%, I'm pretty much dead on. So I know there's a veteran, you know, there's the way they care themselves, when they talk, et cetera. But to someone um, that's non-veteran, uh, I think it really comes down to, it's not trying to figure out, but when you do, uh, when you do come across someone through conversation that you meant, that you have met, um, or they may have shared that they are a veteran. Um, I think it's like to be seen is not to say thank you for your service. To be seen is to um, sit down with the veteran and have a conversation. Hmm. Have a conversation to learn about them. Learn about their story. You know, a lot of a lot of those vets are so eager to share and want to talk. And, you know, and you'd be surprised if you can allow that healthy space for a veteran to speak to is actually a healing process for them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that's been waiting on them for God knows how many years, but they can't talk about it because there's not a space for them to talk about that, you know, and, and, and it's in. So, you know, non-veteran person, it's not for you to find the answer. It's not for you to give an answer. It's it's not for you to, um, you know, to uh, even offer help. So at times, it's really for you to um, to listen, and it's a privilege actually for that veteran to open up to take you along their journey. They're 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 opening up a trust, and that's a privilege. And that's how it should be looked at. It's not, you know, uh, you know, so it's, you know, not every, you know, I'm not going to say all veterans is like this, but I would say majority of a lot of veterans are, you know, and, and it's, it's definitely a privilege when a veteran opens up that wants to talk, uh, allow them to talk and speak and just sit with it, learn from it, you know, and if you don't have nothing to say, then that is okay. That is a hundred percent okay, you know. But the bottom line is that you're listening, and that's really, you know, what that veteran is really needing. You know, they don't need money. Uh, they don't need uh, this. You know, uh, whatever the case is, a lot of them is just needing someone to listen to. You know, just hold space for them. You know, that's it. Um, you. you know, yeah. I, you know, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, no, it's fine. That, fine. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's hard for me. I have a, a few friends who have served, and it's hard to feel out if it's more respectful not to go there with them. Um, so it's helpful to hear uh, at least that with some people, maybe that that sort of space holding for them to tell their story could be really beneficial. Right. Yeah. My main theme this season is around leadership. And I'd love it if you're willing to talk a little bit about the totality of who you are as a fisherman, as a business owner, as a veteran, as a man of color. How do all these things inform the way that you see um, what's necessary in leadership today to really like the big frame on it for me is to, to advance the species? which I know is putting a lot of pressure on your answer, <laughs> but I'm just wondering what you've learned in all this, you know, really rich experience that you have to share with us about leadership. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot. I know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a lot. Um, you know, I I I again, I don't really have all of the answers, but I think uh, just from my walk, I think leadership is really about for me and where I'm even at. And especially being African-American in, in America and being a veteran, it's about being it's it's about uh, maintaining and sustaining your resilience mm-hmm. and. And staying in the light of truth and being able to educate along your journey to others and bring them along the process. Uh, educate. How? I, educate about not just from your story for the teachings that you've learned, et cetera, and being able to pass that on, being able to uh, apply yourself or put yourself in situations um, to help others connect the dots, you know, and I'm not talking just like, you know, regular school at all, you know, college, university, but just, just how life works. Life is very challenging. Um, and there's a lot of avenues and roads that we take. A lot of us take many different roads and take in, uh, from where we, when we leave college and some of us, you know, have this plan that when we leave college, we're going to go here, we're going to do this. And sometimes life doesn't work like that, you know? And I think, uh, you know, I think that's when resilience has to come into play and, and being able to stay in truth and stay in truth is staying in your walk and standing strong in what you believe. Sometimes you'll be in that place by yourself and it's not for you to bail ship. It's for you to keep walking and sooner or later, that truth will open up to something new that will help you grow even more and you'll be in a different space. But when you, from what that space you just came out of is the space that you learn that you should be able to package that up and share that piece to help others be able to find their path and connect the dots. It's an ongoing education of, of walking with, with the people that also are trying to walk themselves. And my leadership is always about putting action before my words, or sometimes when I'm out of deployments, I I like to say I like to lead from behind. Uh, That means it's allowing me to lay my leadership in the front, but I have the ability to come to the back. And then me coming back is to me to give an anchor to who's in the front and the person or the group that's in the front, I'm allowing them to step into that space for them to grow their wings, you know? And so I, so that's kind of like that whole education piece is giving space for others to be able to step in where they can be able to move forward, you know? Uh, you know, so that's kind of like, yeah. And, you know, and, me in the back of my mom always like able to observe, watch. I can correct if needs to be correct, but I have to be careful of even correcting what that group or that person is doing um, because I need to be much more conscious because my correction, it can hinder that group or that person. And so I also have to be able to give space for them to make different decisions or creative decisions. Sometimes, you know, what's conventional may not work, but the approach of being unconventional and to think different and to think out of the box is definitely a space I have to provide for them to do that. So their decision and their walk may just change and pivot according to what I have shared with them. And that's okay because they have been able to, connect the dots from point A to point B. They just done it in a very different way. And so sometimes that conventional doesn't work all the time, 
which I have to allow for it to be unconventional. And that's me as a leader where I have to constantly work on myself of not pushing a full-blown agenda right in front of them, uh, but allowing them to be able to think, to be able to go in a deeper place and think out of the box of how to find that solution that will be just as much as effective as if I was doing or finding that solution for that group or for myself, you know? And so I think, you know, that's, it goes back to that resilience to where if something of life change happens or workforce, et cetera, it's not about asking the manager. It's not about, um, you know, asking someone to, to help, et cetera. What it's about is you come across a problem that may be greater than you, well, what was done yesterday may not be able to be done like yesterday. You may have to do it a different way. And that allows someone to think a little different in order to get from point A to point B, you know, uh, and that's being able to sustain and be resilient on what's being thrown at you. And you grow with that, you know? And so um, I think I'm constantly saying resilience a lot because it goes into just me being a man, you know, a color, being an African-American. And as a veteran, you know, my walk has not been uh, a perfect walk. But I also had to get stronger in my resilience to, to find my path. You know, I, 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 you know, the military gave me a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, build in our resilience. But when I got out and got through going to back to college and uh, doing what I need to do, you know, life threw me a lot of curves. You know, it, it, it almost put me six feet under when, you know, I was about to, you know, when I attempted the suicide, you know. And, um, and again, it's dark moments, dark spaces that uh, I had to find uh, my path and I had to build a resilience that, again, you know, I have to connect the dots here. And these dots are probably small, but I have to connect these dots and create small wins. Small wins create stronger walks. Stronger walks creates an opportunity for success. And I have to learn how to be prepared and always maintain my preparedness into whatever situation that I'm going into and be flexible, you know, uh, with, with the, with the outcome of what this looks like, you know, and everything like that, you know? So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things that, um, that I have to, you know, I think, I think it's why I think it's a, just a wise move. I mean, not a wise, but I think, I think my walk is, has, has built me up into that place where, that's the probably the best offering that I can get to answer your question. Oh. I don't know if I even answered it correctly, you know, but <laughs> you did. Yeah. I think you did it. You did incredible justice to the enormity of my question. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. And I love the idea of, I guess what I'm hearing in part is resilience through conviction. That's yeah. really, really a nice, nice takeaway for myself personally. So I really appreciate it. All right. What I love asking about um, is who are the leaders that have inspired you the most? Uh, they can be current day. They can be well-known. They can be known only to you. They can be, you know, have gone from the earth. But who, who's inspired you as a leader and why? Mm. Oh, so that's a good one. <laughs> um. Who inspires me as a leader and why? I don't really have a particular person that I can share. Um, there's been a lot of people that's inspired me as a leader. I think, you know, 
I think when we, I, I, I think when we can keep ourselves open, even in the darkest moments um, of where we may be at, um, and it's a hard thing to do. It really is a hard thing to do. But even in the darkest moments, you know, when I, I look back through my experience and travels uh, that I've done, especially, you know, in work, in work situations, um, to anybody who's ever traveled overseas, whatever, or even, even here in the United States, you know, I remember the images come up when I'm seeing um, adults, fathers and mothers um, that are with their kids in war-torn, you know, third world countries. Um, everything's bad, disease infested, um, you know, droughts, no food, water, all this kind of stuff is just thrown at them like left and right. And the most interesting thing is these situations that these people are in, uh, they're all smiling. They're all smiling, you know, and um, when you see those kind of things happen and when those people are smiling, you know, because they don't have what we have, you know, I mean, the materialistic stuff or whatever you want to call it, they don't have that. But when you see them, they're, they're, what, they're, what they have is something that's really special. And I think when I'm looking at that, they become my teacher. Um, they become my teacher. Those images instills in my brain. I remember what they're doing and they don't have, they have very little and they're the same group of people that will open up their hut, not their, you know, their little home hut to invite you in and break bread. Uh, no racism, no judgment, no stereotypes. They just want you to break bread with them, you know, and, and, and they want to feed you. And, and they don't really have much to even feed you, but they're full of joy to do that. So when I'm, you know, going back to your question, it's, it's, it's the things that I have opened myself up to life-wise and those milestones that has generated to a thousand thousands of milestones of people like that to 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 people that are pushing through uh to the ones that has attained the wisdom by building brick by brick uh all the way up to people who has run companies now Th those kind of things becomes uh my inspiration um, becomes my drive and my walk. I learn from what I have opened myself up to and pay attention to what others are doing, especially the have-nots um, that are doing it with a smile and love, you know, and they're doing it by heart, you know, without a nine-to-five or clocking in and trying to get paid, but they're doing it. And, um, and so... That's, you know, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's, 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 that's what inspires me. That's what, you know, what I see, you know, that's what I learned from. And, and um, uh, it's, it's not the, the celebrities and, you know, everything. It's really, it's, it's about the, the, of what I have observed in my walk on this earth of, of seeing how people are able to rise and able to adapt and able to function um, and able to fight uh, is, 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 is what I learned from and what inspires me. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's inspiring to hear. And, and I'm sure if people are inspired listening, um, what's the best way they can support what you're doing with Soul River Inc. and or Hidden Heroes? Uh, the best way... Um, you know, uh, when you can always go to our website, you know, and we are always looking for volunteers. Uh, our organization definitely has a lot of opportunities for volunteers. And um, you can always contact us on the contest page. 
Uh, from a financial standpoint, there's a donate button on the website as well. Uh, so if anybody feels uh, open and want to make a donation, that's awesome. If anybody wants to provide the resources or, or volunteer, that's great and that's awesome as well. But uh, you can go to soulriverinc.org and that's where you can uh, find out more about the organization, how you can get involved. And just to clarify, are there youth participants um, coming from outside of Portland or is it specific to Portland only? Uh, yeah, there's uh, got probably like 80% of youth uh, that are coming from Portland. And we have that uh, remaining of youth that comes from a random of places from Washington all the way from New York. Oh, okay, so if, if people are hearing this outside of Oregon, they are welcome to participate in that way as well. Absolutely. As long as they qualify, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. And okay, great. Yeah. Just to clarify is that everything that the youth and veteran comes through, it's, uh, it's all free. The organization pays for uh, everything, basically everything. Wow. It's really inspiring, Chad, and I so appreciate the time you took today and, and also the willingness to share really openly about your experiences. Um, it's a gift for us, and thanks for everything you're doing. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate your time and this opportunity. Thank you so much. Find out more about Chad's work at soulriverinc.com. I'll leave you with the Supergiver's Leadership Question of the Day. Who is someone you know who probably wants to tell their story? And are you up for being that listener? This has been the Supergiver's Podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Jesse Johnson. If you like what you're hearing and would like to support the show, you can do so with one of three simple actions. You can write a five-star review on iTunes, you can tell a friend about the show, or you can subscribe and listen to another episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn. You can learn more about me and my equine-based leadership work at supergivers.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.